Amen. Once more, church, can you give him a praise offering here this morning? Amen. You may be seated here today. Thank you for joining us here on this fall Sunday morning in our second service. Are you ready for God's word? Are you going to let it speak to you today? I'm going to take you somewhere where I think we need to go, not where I think we need to go. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to take you to a place where I know we need to go. God has placed it upon my heart to give to you, and I pray that we receive it together. And so I'm excited about us seeing what God has for us here this morning. We're going to continue on in our series. This is week four. Think bigger, think better, and think blessed. Now, I know that each and every week we have clearly laid that foundational thought that that which your mind dwells upon is most likely the direction in which your next steps will take you. We know that. Wherever your mind is at throughout the day, that's where you're headed. So in the spiritual sense, if your mind is on Christ, and I pray that's where your mind has been. If your mind is on Christ, it's in a good place. It's in a healthy place. And there's this wholeness about you because when Christ is in our lives and he's driving our thoughts and driving the way in which we're moving each and every day, we're walking in the wholeness of Jesus Christ. So I pray your mind is on him and what he has done in your life, what he's doing through your life and what he continues uh, to place upon your life as you walk with him. I pray that's where our minds are at because if our minds are there, obviously we're headed in the right direction. Now, if we take the flip side of that, and we allow this world to get to us because this world is very influential. And there's a lot going on in our world today. There's a lot of thoughts being thrown on us every single day. There's all types of narratives. There's all types of proclaiming truths. There's the pandemic. There's the election. There's your personal battles. There's that which is going on in your workplaces, in your own home, in your own health. There are so many things that you're wrestling with each and every day. I pray that you don't allow that to, to get in the way of what Christ wants to do inside of you. Because if you get your mind on the things of this world and on the chaos and in the darkness and the heaviness of this world, well, that's probably where your mind is going to stay take you. Obviously, this entire series has been based on the thought, let's have our minds on Christ. Let's have our minds in a place that is just bigger and better and on the blessings of God. When we sing that song, the blessing and the worship team does such a beautiful job with that. When we sing that song, that's not just a song, that's an anthem because that's where we want to be, right? In the blessings of God with his hand upon our lives. Now, each week, we've just kind of given you some opening scriptures to kind of help us with the thought of having our minds in the right place. Today, I take you back to Romans chapter 12. We go there often as a church because it's such a powerful truth. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version just in verse number two. It says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, the culture in which you and I live today, fashioned after and adapted to its external and its superficial customs. But be transformed, be changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that for yourselves what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Now, we love this passage here in our church because it's talking about the transformation that's taken place in our lives. I believe every single day that we are being renewed in Christ. 
that when you wake up each and every day that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work within your life, your mind is on Christ, and there's this renewal that's happening because of the transformation that is happening within you. Now, here's what we know about transformation. It is an ongoing process. Therefore, when we think about this word renewal, being renewed is as well. And having a renewed mind, that is an ongoing process. And church, can I tell you this morning, it is the key to staying on the right path with God. Every single day, we need to be allowing that Holy Spirit to work within us, to renew our thoughts, to renew our minds, to renew us where we are at in order to stay on the path that he would have us to go. For the next few moments, I want you to consider the words spoken to the believers in Paul's letters to the Ephesians and the Colossians. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read quite a bit here. Again, I was just going to pull out a little bit, but I just cannot do so because you need to hear this entire passage because it's talking about the transformed life. It's talking about daily being renewed. It's talking about what you're being pulled out of and what Christ is doing within you. So you've got to hear this together. Ephesians chapter 4. Again, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. It says in verse number 17. So this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the heathen, the Gentiles, do in their perversiveness, in the folly, in the vanity, in the emptiness of their souls, and the futility of their minds. Their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning, it's obscured, it's, it's beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance, the want knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated within them due to the hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of the moral nature. Now, verse number 19. In their spiritual apathy, they have become calloused and past feelings and reckless have abandoned themselves uh, a prey to unbridled sensuality eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. But it says in verse 20, but you did not learn so in Christ. Paul is saying to the church, this is not who you have become in Christ. Christ has brought you out of this life. Christ is transforming you. Christ is renewing you. And Christ is pouring into the church each and every day. So you have this knowledge of him. You have this knowledge of the gospel. You have this knowledge of the truth. You have this knowledge that is transforming you from within. So that ought to be taking place as you walk with Christ each and every day. Verse number 21. Assuming that you have really heard him and been taught by him as all truth is in Jesus embodied and personified in him, strip yourselves of your former nature, put off and discard your old renewed self, which characterize your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and a spiritual attitude. And put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and in holiness. we got to keep reading verse 25. Therefore, 
rejecting all falsity and being uh, done now with it. Let everyone express the truth with his neighbor. For we're all parts of one body, members of one another. So when angry, we do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, your indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or a foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. That's a powerful word for the church. You are living a transformed life. You are being renewed each and every day. Don't give room for Satan to come in and wreak havoc on your life and your relationships and what God is doing in and through you. Verse 28, the transformed life. Let the thief steal no more, but rather let him be industrious, making an honest living with his own hand so that he may be able to give to those in need. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech is as good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as it is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor to those who hear it. Wow, that's transformation, right? That's not just talking about using curse words. That's talking about our conversation. That's talking about the daily words that we choose to use, the way that we speak to one another in the church, in our homes, in our workplaces, those we agree with, those we disagree with. There's some transformation that's taking place when we get a hold of that part of our lives. It goes on to verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded as God's own and secured for the day of redemption, a final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. Verse 31, let all our bitterness, our indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language, let it be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any of that kind. And become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's the transformed life. That's the life we once were a part of. All those negative things that were brought up, they were brought up for a reason because there were still members of the body of Christ that were struggling with these areas. So the apostle Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he speaks to them in such a manner that says, this is not who you are. You are now in Christ. Let your mind, let your attitude, let all of that be changed. Let your spoken words, let that be changed to reflect Jesus Christ. Let your words be words full of grace. Let your words be words full of mercy and forgiveness. Let them be uplifting. Let them be encouraging. When you come to praise the Lord in the house of God, let them be words of truth as you lift him up in the way in which he is changing your life. The transformed life. He goes on to tell the church to the Colossians. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, clothe yourselves with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image, the likeness of him who created it. Church, I simply got to ask you this morning, are you hearing the word of God as it's been spoken over your life? Are you hearing not Pastor Steve's word? 
are you hearing the anointed word of God as this letter is written to the believers? And it was relevant in its day, and it's very much relevant now for our church and in the culture in which we live. Are we listening to what God is speaking deep with inside of our lives? I believe today is a day where we have to step back and we have to ask us some very specific questions. Where are we in our culture? And when I say where are we, where is the church today? Where is the influence of Kawita Assembly today? Where is your family? Where is your home? What is the spiritual atmosphere among you and yourself and your wife and your children? What is the spiritual atmosphere in which you carry when you go throughout the day? Where are you at in this culture that is around us? Where are you at in that personal walk? And where are we at as a body of Christ? I think it's okay to ask themselves those questions, right? Because those questions make us step back and they demand a real answer. Don't you know that when you're talking with God, you cannot just give him any old answer? He's going to read right through that. You can try to convince yourself, but if it's not the real answer, the true answer, the answer that needs to come from the depths of your soul, God's just going to sit there with you for a while until you're ready to get truthful about what's taking place. And that's what's going to change us because that's that transformation that's taking place. I do not want a superficial transformation. I do not want one that is satisfied just by a Sunday service. I want one that every single day in my life, no matter what it looks like that day, may God be transforming our lives. May he renew our mind. If he's asking me some hard questions, I better go there with him if I'm going to continue to be in a bigger, better, and a best, blessed place, right? If I really am going to embrace the, the title of this series, I'm going to have to allow God to really work in me, work through me, work on me, do whatever it is he so desires to do, because that's what's going to wake me up inside. And church, I am praying, I'm asking God, wake us up today in a way that the world is going to take notice, right? Wake the church up in a way, in a good way, in a healthy way, in a whole way, in a pure way, in one that has fire and passion that grabs the attention of people, not in a weird way, but in a powerful way that draws men and women and children to Christ because of what God is doing within the church, the body of Christ. When I say church, I'm not just talking about us within these walls. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Let there be this fire and this zeal inside of us. God, I would say to you today, renew our minds once again. Renew us. That work of transformation, let it really take hold and let us embrace that. God, spiritual awakening, winds of revival, however we want to label it today, God, will you once again renew us and wake the church up in the culture and the hour in which we live. I believe many of you, and I get a few amens out there, but I think many of you would say, Pastor, that sounds really good. And I think I even might have heard someone say in their mind, that's good. How do we start? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'll go there with you. All right? How do we really get to that place of being in this place of renewal? Well, the word I have for you today is going back to having a repentant heart. Repentance. Now, I believe... It's probably not a very popular word today, one to be spoken or an action to be 
taken, but it is an action that is most significant if we as individuals, as we as believers, as we as the body of Christ, if we're truly going to wake up and have this revival fire take place inside of us, and if the church is going to be relevant at all, and if we're going to make a difference in the culture in which we live, if that's going to be the place, then we have to go back to this word, repentance. Now, let me go there for just a few. I can already tell how this has landed, and it's landing good because it ought to land a little bit heavy, right? I said in the earlier service, I am thankful that sometimes the word of God, it does land heavy because there's conviction in that. Aren't you grateful for the conviction of God over your life? Because what a superficial life we would live if we didn't have that because that's what drew us to salvation. That's what draws us to change. That's what draws us to a place of having that fire reignited inside of us when God grabs a hold of us and says, hey, wait a minute, we need to turn some things around here. And that's what I see happening here today with this word. I want to take you for a moment back to the Old Testament. I want you to consider the life of David, a man after God's own heart and one of Israel's greatest kings. Now, just like you and I, he was far from perfection, but he was a man after God's own heart in a very genuine way. We know that when we read his life story, one of his biggest failures came at a time after he had experienced many victories and much success. You will understand as you read through his life, there was a time that came when his men were out to war and he stayed back and he saw this woman bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. He had these lustful thoughts within his mind and then he acted upon it. He ended up committing adultery with her. And then her husband's, whose name was Uriah, he brought him back, spent some time with him, Then he sent him back to the front lines of battle with the purpose of being killed. So in essence, he had him murdered. So when you look at this story, this is a very, very huge failure in the life of David. When you you read about Uriah, Uriah was one of his most trusted men that he did this to. So this was huge in, in stopping what had been taking place. He had had victory. He had had success. I mean, God's blessing and favor was upon him, but all this began to change. What we see as we continue to read about his life is that his sin was destroying him from within. And then under the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, a good friend of his comes to him and draws out that sin and draws out what was really taking place. And David had to confront it. And he did. When you continue to read on, he has a very repentful heart. And you see what takes place. Now, obviously, there are some things that he has to deal with because of the consequences of sin. But he does get back to that place with having the right heart and the right mind with God's blessing be upon him. Now, in this time of his life, David writes seven psalms. They're psalms of repentance. You can read them in Psalm chapter 6, chapter 32, 38, 51, 102, 130, and 143. I encourage you to go and read each and every one of them. I'm just going to pull from a couple of them. I want you to see what's happening in his life as he comes to a place of genuine repentance. Psalm chapter 32, verse 1. Blessed, happy, joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. 
For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as as the heat of the summer. So he feels this literally, mentally, emotionally, physically, the weight of sin that's upon him. Then he says in verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. I love all three of these words being used interchangeably because when you go back and you look at their original meanings, transgression, that is talking about his rebellion. The iniquity, that's talking about the perversion in his life. And the sin, that's referring just to the outright disobedience. So this is a well-rounded prayer of repentance as he comes before the Lord because he is saying, God, I know what's inside of me. I have rebelled. I've had a perverted mind. I've been disobedient. I haven't been with you. It is heavy upon me. And God, I need to change. And that's only going to happen if you will forgive me for where I've been. And God does that and reaches out to him. Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2, a couple of verses. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, that rebellion. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, my perversion. And cleanse me from all my wrongdoing, my disobedience, and my sin. Then you get to verse number 10. I think Michelle used this several weeks ago. He says, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. What the Hebrew word there is, is uphold me with a willing mind. With a willing mind. You see, David, a man after God's own heart, got to a place in his life where he got comfortable He got complacent. He wasn't where he should have been. He didn't do it on purpose, but he was vulnerable because he wasn't doing what he should have been doing. So his mind was weak, and his his ability to move with God, that had grown weak. And so instead of being where he should have been, out with his men, he finds himself out on that roof. And because so, you see the sin, the transgression, the iniquity. You just see it explode in an incredible manner because that vulnerability, Satan took advantage of that. And it just about cost him everything. It was destroying him. But David teaches us when you embrace that for what it is, you embrace the truth that's really what's happening in your life, no matter what it is, if you'll go with God with a genuine heart and say, God, I need you to change me. God is faithful, and he will always answer that prayer. When you want to be renewed, God will always answer that prayer. When you truly desire within to have that fire set ablaze within you through the Holy Spirit, God will always answer that prayer if you come to him first and foremost with a repentant heart that says, I need to make a change. Church, without genuine repentance, David would lose all hope in fulfilling what God had placed within him, and it's the same for you and I. But now let me bounce back over into the New Testament to the New Testament believer. We know that our walk with Christ, a walk that leads to a bigger, better, and a blessed life, it begins with the act of repentance. That's where salvation starts. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 1, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, he says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and what was his word? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. After Jesus had that moment in the wilderness where Satan was tempting him, he came out preaching and preaching strong, full of the Holy Spirit. He began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
when the disciples were sent out, we'll read in gospel, in the gospel of Mark chapter number six, it says, so they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. In a conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious scribes, in Luke chapter 13, he says, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit had fell. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, he rises up and he begins to preach the gospel, the word of God. And in that, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As the church continues to move forward, Acts chapter 17, verse number 30, it says, the times of ignorance God has overlooked. But now, now that the gospel has come, now that Jesus has come, now that the truth is before you, he commands all people everywhere to repent. Paul echoes that, Acts chapter 26, verse 20. He declared to those first in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Repentance is necessary for anyone desiring a true relationship with Jesus Christ. But let's get a good understanding of this word. Repentance is more than feeling sorry for yourself. Repentance is more than just having regret. And repentance is more than confessing all the wrongs that you have done in your life. The Greek word for repentance literally means to have a change of mind. To have a change of mind. It is turning from one direction and going in another. So obviously, we know how that fits with salvation. Because before you're saved, you've got this life of sin, and you're loving this life of sin, and you're really rebelling towards God. But at salvation, when you have this true repentance take place, you have a complete change of mind because you hate the things of this world, you hate the sin that is within you, and now you turn with all of your heart and all of your mind to love God and to love his ways. There's a complete 180 that takes place in your life at salvation, right? But then as time wears on, I believe there are still those moments where repentance needs to happen. Now, Pastor Austin and I and the team, we were kind of in a good conversation. I believe it was earlier this week. We don't believe that you're going to sin and fail every single day of your life. There ought to be multiple days that you go forth and you're not walking in sin. You're walking with Jesus. I got some good friends that we'll, we'll talk about. They can talk hours about it with me. I don't need to talk hours because I just know what I believe. But hey, once you've accepted Christ, you can never sin again. I'm going to tell you, I know a lot of Christians who have accepted Jesus, and I think I've seen some sin, right? including this old boy right here. So I'm not saying you're losing this salvation. I'm not saying that you're completely losing out with God, but we're walking in this world and we're daily being transformed. We're daily being renewed. So we're working some things out within our lives. Some would even argue with me a little bit and say, Pastor, I don't believe you ever need to repent again because once you repent at salvation, repentance is taken care of. Well, I understand that to a point. You shouldn't ever want to go back to any other way of living when you repent and ask Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I believe because of what I read in Scripture, there are moments throughout our lives that God calls us back to a place of repentance. The word I read earlier, that long passage of text, was to the believers in Ephesus. Most all the letters written not most, all the letters written in the New Testament are to the church, instructing them, correcting them, encouraging them 
having them to grab a hold of what God is doing inside of their life. So I certainly don't believe you have to wake up every single day and repent of all your sins because that is immaturity. There ought to be a place in your Christian walk where you have this days go by where you're, you're not, your mind's not in the wrong place and you're not speaking the wrong. That, there's just maturity that's taking place. Even in, in Peter, I believe, it talks about not having to keep going back to that place of repentance because salvation has taken hold and you're living a changed life. I'm talking about a little bit something different here is where God is speaking to us as a whole. Now, it does, it does definitely get to us personally and it's got to begin in our personal walk. And then from there, it's got to get in our home. And then it hits us as a collective body of Christ. But I 100% believe there are times where God is calling us back to a place of repentance where there needs to be some change continuing to take place within us. Where do I grab a hold of that at? I take you all the way to Revelation. Seven churches received a letter. And five of the seven churches were instructed to repent. Revelation chapter 2, verse, verse 4, the church in Ephesus, which we read out of in our opening text. But to this church, I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left, you have abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent. Change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works you did previously when you first knew the Lord or else I will visit you. Remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and unless you repent. That's a pretty strong word, right? To the church. You're going to lose your influence. You're going to lose your place. If you want to be culturally relevant, if you want to have that passion, that fire, that truth, you want to see lives being changed by the power of God, you at first have got to go back and repent and say, God, reignite that fire inside of me. Reignite that zeal, that love, that proper mind, that attitude where you're, you, you were on, on the forefront of all my conversations, God, because of the work that you're doing inside of me. You need to repent to the church of Pergamum, Revelation chapter 2, verse 16. The word again is used, repent. To Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2, verse 22, unless they turn away their minds from conduct such as hers and repent of their doings, talking about sexual immorality, you need to repent, church. To Sardis, Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, so call to mind the lessons you received and heard continually, lay them to heart and obey them and repent in case you will not rouse yourselves and keep awake and watch. I will come upon you like a thief and you will know or, and not know or suspect at what hour that I will come. And then the fifth church, Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults and convict and convince and reprove and chasten. I discipline, I instruct them. So be enthusiastic. Listen to this. Be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent, changing your mind and your attitude. How about that? Instead of letting it land really heavy on you, why don't you take a totally different mindset and say, it's kind of like a big sigh of relief saying, Lord, here I am, and I'm ready. I'm ready for you to change my mind, to change my attitude, and I know there's things inside of me that I need to repent of. Allow that to happen and watch what God will do. You will not be disappointed when you go to God in such a true manner. He will do such an awesome work in your lives. Five of the seven churches were instructed to repent. 
Repentance is a change of mind, a change of mind regarding sin, spiritual apathy, moral decline, a lack of passion, and complacency. Repentance is turning away from the ways of an unbelieving world and turning back to Jesus, the way and the truth and the life. Repentance is doing a 180 and turning back to God in every area of your life. And I stand before you today as your pastor, giving you a word that I have no doubt he's given me to give to the body of Christ. And that is, church, I know you. I know your hearts. I know what's inside of you. I know the potential that is there. But let's first go back to a place of repentance and say, okay, God, let me get a clean slate here and let me get moving in the right direction. Because here's why I say that. The pandemic we're in is going to come to an end just like it has in our history past. In a few weeks, the election is going to be over. And let me tell you something. No matter who is sitting in the Oval Office, God will always be on the throne. Right? So if your personal preference wins, okay. If not, okay. Because God is where I find my hope. God is where I find my trust. God is where I find my joy. He is where I find my sound mind. I will live by his rules, governed by him each and every day. I will not find that in a president. I will find it in Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. I pray for my president. I pray for my leader. I pray for my Senate. I pray for my Congress. I pray for the Supreme Court. I pray for our governor and all of our local leaders. May they be men and women of God, but my life is not founded upon them. My life my home, my family, my finances, my hope, my security, my eternal life is all founded upon Jesus Christ. And nothing will ever take me off of that rock which will be in existence throughout all eternity. Amen. Receive that word. Don't get too in an uproar where you lose sight of who God is in your life. Now, up until then, have some fun with it, but stay truthful with Jesus. Stay with him. But why this word today? Because when this all passes, I don't want us to be behind. When the doors, and the doors have been open for a while, but when they're open in a way that everybody feels like they can come back, when it feels like the economy's open, the schools are open, and the churches are open, and everybody starts moving again, and the wheels really start turning, the highways get more vehicles on them, the stores have more people. Business owners are able to take down the boards and open back up, and life starts moving. When that happens, I pray that we're not behind going, now what do we do? I pray that we're ready, and we're passionate. And when people walk in these doors in this church, they will feel the power and the presence of God. And they'll be like, man, I've missed, I've missed what God is. They won't come back to a dead church, to a silent church, to a complacent church, to one that doesn't know what's going on. They'll come back to a church that is on fire for what God is doing. Amen. So God, do that in me. Do that in my home. Do that in my family. Do that in our families. And collectively as a body of Christ, God, just keep transforming us. Renew us. 
awaken us to a place that no matter what is going on in culture, the church is moving forward and shining bright and nothing is able to stifle that ever. Amen. I want to be in that place bigger, better, the blessings of God. But in order to get to that place, I believe we've got to go to the place like repentance. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. Can you imagine if you will really just sometimes close your eyes and meditate on what David is writing? You can feel his emotions when he writes. You can feel the genuineness of his heart because he's writing from such a dark place at times. And you can feel how it's ripping him up within. But then about halfway through most of his psalms, he makes that transition. And you can feel that transition because it's like he's picking up all of this weight and he's laying it aside. He's saying, but God, it is you. It is you who I will put my hope in. It is you and who I will trust. So I cry out to you, oh God, don't let me stay away from you. Don't remove your spirit away from me, God. Don't be distant from me, but God, do in me whatever needs to happen. And when he begins to write like that, you feel him coming alive. And I believe that's what God wants to do in us today. So, I got nothing else to add. However this landed, let it land. And let your heart and your mind receive it. I believe God wants to call us back to a place of repentance today. What I'd like to do with every head bowed before the worship team's gonna come, they've, they have picked the perfect song. I didn't know what they were going to sing at the end. So in the first service, when they began to sing this song, it was the perfect song. With your heads bowed before we go into collective prayer. If you're here today, and the first step of repentance is asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and allowing him to change you, transform you, and save you. If that's your prayer, would you lift your hand wherever you're at? I'm not going to ask you to stand or come forward. I'm just going to pray with you right where you're at and ask this entire church family. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you for helping me out. I just want to see who I'm praying with. Any others say, Pastor, the first step I need to take is I just need to, I need to come to the Lord and ask him to be my Lord and Savior. How about it for those of you that are online? You're watching right now or you're watching later. You can say this prayer with us and the Lord's gonna do a work in your life. Is there anybody else here in the sanctuary right now? Come on, church, let's pray together with these individuals. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I ask you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And help me each day to walk with you, to mature with you. For Jesus, thank you for transforming my life and renewing my mind every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him a praise here this morning? Amen. Now, congregation, if you wouldn't mind standing with me. If you're able, just go ahead and stand. And here's all I'd like for you to do. The worship team's going to sing this song. And as they do, 
whatever needs to happen, I pray will happen in your life. Maybe all of us, maybe many of us, maybe a few of us will be drawn to one of these altars, a place of surrender. That's all they represent, a place of surrender and trust. You may run out of room and we may have to fill up the steps here, but you're just stepping forward because you're like, Pastor, I want to go to a place of repentance. Maybe you're just going to stay right there. You feel more comfortable right there, whatever it is. All I ask is let this message really resonate deep within. And not only here in the sanctuary, will you take it home with you? Will you take it to your personal devotional time? Will you take it and allow God to continue to speak this word over your life? Because I believe God right now is going to set some of you free and he's going to bring you back to a place of joy and happiness and blessing. He's going to do a work that reignites that fire. Whatever it is that you have upon your heart, I believe God's going to do it here this morning. But can we just give our time to him these next few moments? You came to the world you created Trading your crown for a cross You willingly died your innocent life pay the cost Counting your status as nothing The king of all kings came to serve Washing my feet and covering me with your love
Yes, all of you.